Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast is made possible by our supporters over on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get your own RSS feed with ad-free shows and extra episodes every month, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Hey there, everybody. Just a little note about today's episode. We had a little bit of uh, internet trouble when we were recording the first half of the episode. You want to tell them what happened, Derek? Yeah, so basically, even before the show started, there was a, a decent lag on both of our ends. So I wasn't sure who, like, <laughs> who's who was at fault, but it turns out it was me because <laughs> multiple times throughout the episode, uh, my internet crapped out. Um, not just on my computer, but through my entire house. I uh, didn't get it back until like eight thirty that night. So we made the decision to stop at the halfway point. And we're going to resume with uh, my review of Rystar. So, yeah, the the first half of the episode is a little bit wonky, and we apologize for that. But but uh, we we made it as far as the uh, the Patreon shoutouts, <laughs> and then everything just went out. So at that point, we made a made a cut and a decision to come back the next day. So uh, we'll at that point we'll be the uh, the the we'll finish out the episode. So. Thank you for hanging in there with us, and uh, we'll see you guys on the other side. Programs, and we're back for another episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. So how has your week been? Mine has been full of uh, Tears of the Kingdom. That's what I've been doing. Yeah, pretty much the same for me. Uh, I sent you a text last night. So have you have you made it to the depths of Hyrule yet? Uh, no, not yet. Um, I, I've been following the story so far, and I got to the part where you're following the, the the little bird guy that you were uh with at the last game and he does the 
the thing where he blows air and you, the gusts. Yeah, the gusts. And I'm up way up in that mm-hmm. part where you're going around trying to get from place to place. And I'm like, you know what? I don't feel like I'm ready for this yet. So I went back to the very first area and I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to go around and find all of the shrines in this area before I go. I do anything else because I just don't feel like I am uh, e- equipped enough yet to, to be where I'm at. That's a very smart strategy. <laughs> As someone who did not do that, it is a very smart strategy. Well, so whenever yeah, so, I came across this huge golem creature, uh, he was like, he's made of blocks and he had like a big green fist. And I fell off the the this platform I was on. Um, I, I was running and the the ground came out from beneath me and I fell down to his platform and I'm like, Oh, that's a big bastard. He turns around and hit me one time (laughs) and I was dead. And I was like, I don't feel like I should be here yet. So you just hear the, (laughs) yep. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go back to the beginning. The little bird guy was like, Oh, you're leaving already. We'll come back when you can. I'm like, all right, dude, see you later. We'll catch up later. Yeah, we'll catch up but, when I feel like uh, it. <laughs> yeah. So the the depth. So obviously you've seen that you know there are giant chunks of the land that are floating in the sky. Mm-hmm. Well, there are passageways to the depths of Hyrule where the beginning of the game took place, and it's as big as Hyrule. That's the thing, like, this whole game is so freaking huge, man. It's it's twice the size of Breath of the Wild, easily. It's gotta be. And now we've seen why it's taken, you know, six years for it to come out. But <laughs> what's cool is, like in Breath of the Wild, you can find the, the suits that Link wore in the previous games. And I, when I found that out, and most of them are, I think most, if not all of them, are in the depths of Hyrule. And I'm like, you know what? I kind of want one of those outfits. I'm like, I'll find the one from Ocarina of Time. And that's just what I've been doing. It's been, I I sent you a text last night, you know, after I got the whole set, Mm -hmm. but there, there's several of them. There's one from Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, even the original Legend of Zelda. Sweet. Yeah. I just, um, I just decided to go back to the beginning and I, I went back to the beginning, ran a little side quest, uh, for a little bit, and and then I used the uh, the tower to shoot myself back way up in the air, so I could see Isn't where, so, so I could see where all the shrines were. So I'm just gonna do that for the foreseeable future. It, it's just such a fun game, and like I I was able to pull myself away enough to play what I'm reviewing tonight. But that that's mostly what I've been doing is Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. I had to go to Tallahassee for work Saturday, so I was <laughs> I was pretty wiped by the time I got home. Say, I'm, I'm like, sorry. I'm just gonna play play Zelda. <laughs> I hate Tallahassee. I've been there uh, many, many times and I can't stand that city. Yeah, well, I, I won't knock individuals that are from there, but I will <laughs> say that my my favorite view of Tallahassee is in my rearview mirror. <laughs> yep. Um, other than that, um, uh, Joey image sent me a, uh, a message a little while ago. He's having an MRI tonight for, on his neck and he's supposed to have That's one on more, his Facebook. Yeah. One more spinal surgery. So I told him, you know, we'll be ready when, when his, uh, segment is ready. It's still coming. We just, uh, I'm not going to rush him on it. So let's 
send all your 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 best wishes to Joey right now. So hopefully he'll get his spine uh, fixed up soon, and you know he won't have to worry about all that anymore. And he said, uh, "Yeah, it's great to have some paid time off work." I was like, "Yeah, that's a hell of a way to get it, though." Yeah, there's there's always drawback, or there's usually drawbacks to extended PTO. But no, definitely best wishes to him. I know he's been looking at having that done for a while now. So hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully everything works out for the best. Uh, I know you're uh, you're lagging a little bit, so uh, but uh, we will trudge forth. And um, so you're you're about a second or two behind me on the Zoom. So if you're listening to this on the audio, apologize for that. But you know how technology is. Sometimes it's not the best. So we'll we'll do with it what we can. But uh, anything else you want to throw out there about this weekend? I I don't know what else I did other than play. Uh, I keep wanting to say Breath of the Wild, but Tears of the Kingdom. Um, I got called out on YouTube last week, too, because I said Breath of the Wild and not Tears of the Kingdom. So uh, they said, they made a point that I said around five minutes, I said Breath of the Wild. I was like, ah, everybody knows what I meant. <laughs> Rodian slip. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to throw out there before we move into the news this evening? I'm excited to talk about this first story. Yeah, me too. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Some of tonight's stories were submitted to us by Donner, Party of Five, and Armez Jackson. And if you have a story you'd like us to cover, send them to NerdCaveRetro at gmail.com. Uh, and this first one is from Donner, and uh, I will save his uh, his little notes here for after I read about this here. It's, uh, where is this from? This is from Sky News. Yes, I accept your cookies. Sky News, uh, news.sky.com. Man accused of robbing South Carolina store using Nintendo Duck Hunt pistol. And I hate the fact that they called it Duck Hunt pistol. It is the Nintendo light gun zapper is what it is. Yeah, at least get your facts straight yeah. before you put out a story. Uh, police said the perpetrator demanded cash and showed the, cash- the cashier a gun in the waistband of his pants, which turned out to be a spray-painted Nintendo Duck Hunt game fake pistol. Uh, David Joseph D'Alessandro, da- uh, 25, was detained following the incident at a quick stop. Oh man, you robbed the quick stop! Uh, in Sharon, South Carolina, around 5.45 p.m. on Tuesday, uh, he demanded cash, showed the gun. Um, let's see. Uh, it, said, it just says, Duck Hunt is a shooter game where players aim to hit on-screen moving targets while they're in the air. Uh, he was found in a nearby uh, car park with the fake gun, and he was arrested and booked into the York County Detention Center. Uh, and so uh, Donner says, so the real question is, was the business run by ducks? <laughs> was the K9 unit snickering at him as he was getting arrested? <laughs> the, this guy disrespecting Hogan Hogan's alley so hard that he hold the gun two inches from their faces to ensure a no miss. And okay, I'm done with jokes. This would be a perfect for Joey. This would be perfect for Joey's segment. Um, so what do you think there, Derek? <laughs> you got some things to say about it. <laughs> So first of all, I the fact that they robbed the the, the guy I robbed the quick stop. I just want to drive to Sharon, South Carolina, and just look around and say, "Bunch of savages in this yeah. town," <laughs> and then and then drive off. No, th- this is 
uh, I admire the effort. I will say that, but <laughs> don't go around robbing stores. And if uh, this is just really stupid, is all it is. <laughs> like I, I, I read about this a few days ago, and I'm like, I hope somebody submits it for the show so we can yeah. at least mention it. But yeah, mushmouth. Yeah, th- this is. Mushmouth in the chat room says, look, regarding the light gun incident, I really needed that money for crack. Why do I think that this would be something you would do? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I, if he were the person mentioned in this story, I'd be like, you know what? I'm not surprised. You know, I'm but, surprised uh, this is the yeah, first, this is first just... story we've ever heard of that where somebody used a zapper gun to, to rob a store. It's had to have happened before. It has to. It, yeah, like I, I would be shocked beyond belief if this was the first time that someone used the, the light gun zapper as I mean, like a. At, at least they spray painted it to try and make it look somewhat like a real gun. Honestly, he did a pretty good paint job on it. I mean, it looks pretty cool. It, he got it all black except for the uh, the grip on the side. He uh, actually taped off the grip so the grip stayed gray, while the rest of it is black and the trigger is orange. So. I mean, it, it looks it looks almost like the uh, the Sega like gun. It makes me think: had this been like a more popular peripheral for the NES, if they had offered like a black alternative that looked like this, yeah, I'd probably get one. I mean, they changed it from gray to to red or orange back in the day, I guess, to keep people from actually doing what this guy did. But even still, you know, it, it looks pretty cool. I mean, I, I commend him for a, a good paint job on it. Uh, it. Yeah, it doesn't say, like, what he was sentenced to or if he was just released or whatever happened to him. I don't know. This just happened. So he doesn't look like the kind of guy that would be able to come up with some bail money. So I imagine he's sitting in the uh, yeah. in the county jail right now in South Carolina. You know, the other thing, too, is I'm surprised this didn't happen in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, if this had happened here, I still wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Florida man. Yeah. Uh, next story comes to us from NintendoEverything.com. Taito Milestones 2 seeing English release in the West. It was revealed that it's uh, NN Games is working on a version of Taito Milestones 2 for fans in the West, and a release is planned for August 31st, 2023, uh, which includes games, uh, just ones of note, New Zealand Story, that ni- was released in 1988, uh, Darius 2, the three-screen arcade version, which was released in 1989, The Legend of Cage from 1985, Liquid Kids from 1990, Solitary Fighter from 1991, and Metal Black from 1991. There is a trailer that you can watch that is included in the article. It was previously announced in April, but that news only confirmed a Japanese release and will now be happening worldwide this August, and you can pre-order it on Amazon as we speak. Yep, we talked about this so a couple what do you months think? ago, um, and I knew I eventually it was probably going to get it. An American release, and uh, I still, I mean, the only ones I really remember were Legend of Cage and Darius, so, I mean, I would like to try it out to uh, see some of these other games on here, but I really don't recognize most of them. Yeah, I don't either, and I'm looking to see what the, okay, so you could buy it for 40 bucks. That's not bad, actually, 
for a you know for a physical copy. Yeah, and it, it's got a, a a fair amount of games. So I, I don't know if I'll be picking this up personally. The only name that I recognize is Darius, mm-hmm. but hopefully those that you know are looking forward to it. Hopefully it'll be as good as they hope. Yeah, Dino Rex sounds familiar, but I think I I, I don't know. I probably played that in the arcade or something back then. Dino Rex sounds like an like a Lego set. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Uh, up next, we uh, from our favorite site, NintendoLife.com, the Super Mario Brothers movie Steelbook is already being shipped out in the U.S. Uh, it made its digital debut last month, so when can we expect to see the physical version arrive? The following a supposed leak that suggested the Steelbook release will be arriving on the 6th of June in 2023, which is tomorrow. Uh, it seems some Mario fans in the U.S. have already secured their copy. According to reports, a weekly ad by the retailer Target also indicates it could be a Tuesday re- Tuesday release next week. A uh, number of fans on the N- Nintendo subreddit mentioned how they had already received their copies, and others have even been sharing photos on social media platforms. A lot of these copies uh, appear to come from Best Buy. Keep in mind, there's no release date for the regions just yet. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I, there's pictures on here of people... Uh, holding up the uh, the 4K uh, Blu-ray copy, and uh, I'll be honest, I'm kind of disappointed with the the cover. I was kind of hoping it would it was gonna look like a uh, an old black box Nintendo game. Yeah, they just went with a plain background and a picture of the the red mushroom. Yeah, yeah, I was hoping for a little more myself, but I'm I'm still gonna be getting it. You know, if it's yeah. If it's at Best Buy, because there's one right down the road from my house, and we're done with the show, I, know I might see doing. if they have it. As soon as like, well, the if, show's if they... over. <laughs> you see me go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I guess I'm a little surprised that it's coming out this early. I thought maybe July is when it would be yeah. coming out. You know, as far as the Blu-ray goes, Dude, but do you remember? I mean, I'm not going to complain if it's coming out next week. Do you remember when we were kids? Like, I remember movies would be in the theater, and they'd be in the theater for like two or three months, and then they would leave the theater, and you wouldn't get to rent it or see it again for at least a year <laughs> before it came out on VHS. And except Batman was the exception. It came out that summer and then it was out by Christmas. And that was mind bending at the time because I got it on VHS. But I remember like, like movies when I was a kid, like if you didn't see them in the theater and you missed it, you were just screwed for like a year until it came out on VHS. And now it's like day and date. Like this was in the theater, just like it's probably still in the theater, and now it's coming out for uh, Blu Ray and and you know on demand and everything. So, what a world we live in now. And I remember when DVDs and Blu Rays started becoming a thing, and I, I used to have my go to websites that I would always check at least once a week. That would say like, you know, okay, this movie's coming out in August or September on DVD because mm-hmm. there would be some movies that I couldn't go to the theater to see. Yeah. So then I would just count down the days until it would come out on 
you know, DVD or Blu-ray. And even then it was still a few months, like nothing like, you know, with VHS tapes, but I can remember waiting, you know, for sometimes five to six months Mm -hmm. for it to come out on DVD or Blu-ray. And then you go to the rental, you go to, you know, go to Blockbuster, Hollywood video or whatever you rented your tapes from more than likely it's already been rented out. Even though they would have like 30 copies of it, it would still just be an empty shelf. And you're like, you would be calling every day be like, did somebody come bring it back? Did somebody bring back Terminator 2 yet? Uh, what a what a time! <laughs> These damn kids today—they got life. nothing to complain about. Nothing. No, I tell you, no, they don't. <laughs> no, they do not. Our last story comes to us from uh, I'm gonna probably get his name wrong, but I'm gonna try to say it anyway. Uh, Lily Putting, L I L I P U T I N G dot com. I assume it's Lily Putting. Uh, Ambernick RG. G-Nano is a keychain-sized retro game console. Chinese handheld gaming Anbernic is preparing to launch its smallest game console to date. The upcoming Anbernic RG-Nano... Uh-oh, Derek's frozen. Uh, I'll read it while he... <laughs> while we catch up. Uh, the Chinese handheld gaming company Anbernic is preparing to launch its smallest game console to date... The upcoming Ambernic RG Nano measures just 68 by 42 millimeters, making it small enough to clip on keychain and keep in your pocket or handbag. But it's also a full-fledged game system with color display, D-pad, action buttons, and even shoulder buttons. Uh, The RG Nano has an aluminum alloy body and comes in several color options, including dark uh, dark purple, blue, and red. Uh, It hasn't revealed full details for the device yet, but we know that it has a USB-C port for charging, data, and audio. The company has released a promo video that you can see on the uh, the Ambernick site on on YouTube and uh, does not have a price on it yet. Um, Looking here, I do not see a price for it yet, but we will keep you guys updated. I actually wouldn't mind having an Ambernick myself. I've heard a lot of stuff about it. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, um, you get it. It's about eighty bucks off of Amazon, and um, it uh, it comes with a ton of retro games on it. So if you guys are interested, uh, yeah, he left and went to Best Buy. Um, but after uh, this, actually, I'm going to go ahead and uh, pause the uh, the audio right now, and hopefully, we'll be able to get Derek back here in just a second. So I'm going to pause the audio. And uh, you guys watching on YouTube, you'll you'll get all the behind the scenes stuff. So, all right, and we're back, everybody. Uh, we're just <laughs> Derek's internet took a dump on us. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it 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 hasn't happened in a while, so yeah. it, it was due. But no, yeah. sorry about that, everybody. No, I was looking up these Ambernicks, uh while he was away, and you guys on YouTube <laughs> were hanging out with me. Um, these Ambernicks look really cool. The RG35XX is the one that looks like the, uh, the old Game Boy. And it runs $55.99 on the Ambernick site. I know it runs about $75 on Amazon, but the shipping is cheaper on Amazon. If you get it from the Ambernick site, it comes straight from China. So I'd imagine it's probably $20, $25 shipping. But still, honestly, it's worth it because it comes with like 2,000 games on it. That's really not bad at all. And, and like you said, 
uh, you it might have been before we uh, resumed, but um, a lot cheaper than a Steam Deck. Yeah, and they do have one here that it looks like a uh, uh, it looks like a Switch, but it's a, a new. It's the Ambernick Win six six hundred, and it's a Windows machine. So I'm like three hundred dollars. That is a lot cheaper than a Steam Deck. So I'm wondering what uh, what the reviews are. So I'm gonna keep this tab open and look at this later tonight. Yeah, because that that's pretty cool. But uh, let's see. That was the end of <laughs> the news for this week. So we want to run through uh, this month in gaming history real fit real real fast. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. On June 3rd of 1986, Nintendo released the Super Mario Bros. The Lost Levels as a sequel to the Super Mario Bros. game that was not released in North America, partially because it was deemed too difficult. And I will say, that it's pretty rough. Uh, is Derek frozen again? <laughs> Uh-oh. SpaghettiOs. Alright. <laughs> So, um, I guess I will go ahead and, and we'll do the rest of these uh, this month in video game history. Actually, let me pause again. I'll pause one more time. All right, we're back again, everybody. <laughs> uh, Derek, Strike back. two for the internet. So, what we're going to do is if it goes out again, we will uh, split the episode and we will finish up with Derek's review tomorrow night. And um, I'll just, you know, <laughs> we'll finish up tomorrow. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I already did this. June 3rd, Nintendo released Super Mario Brothers: The Lost Levels. Um, it was deemed too difficult for the American public, and I tend to agree with that. Yeah, and it led to one of my personal favorite Mario games, Super Mario Brothers 2. Mm-hmm. Me too. June of 1989, Lucasfilm Games releases puzzle game Pipe Mania, which lives on in other titles as a visual representation of computer or security system hacking. Uh, that's what they use for hacking in Bioshock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's funny because when I looked up the uh, the Wikipedia article and you could see like a screen cap of the gameplay, mm-hmm. it reminds me of, did you ever play Minesweeper? For yeah. Windows in the 90s. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of that, like the look of that a little bit. Does anybody ever understand how to play, actually play Minesweeper? Or were, you, were we just randomly hitting tiles? I was just randomly hitting tiles. Yeah. <laughs> I did too. Uh, and Joey Images in the chat room. And yes, SMB2 is Doki Doki Panic. The one that we got is a reskin Doki Doki Panic. Or as our friends uh, in Japan call it, Super Mario USA. Yeah. Or as they call it, Doki Doki Panic. <laughs> <laughs> that, that too. Uh, let's see, June 29th of 1998, Rare releases Banjo-Kazooie for the N64 in North America. One of my favorite platforming games of all time. And uh, our friends uh, Wally and Rampage did a really good episode about this game over on their podcast, the Dead Game Podcast, so go check that out. I, I, I love Wally's idea on how to bring back Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah. Uh, and their last yeah. episode for the season dropped today, too. It's all about Contra. Yep. I still got to listen to it. Yeah, same. And last but not least, June 11th of 2001, Konami releases Castlevania Circle of the Moon for Game Boy Advance in North America. 
Fantastic. Here. Always got to love some Castlevania. Yeah, and though those Castlevania games, I, I've played one of them, and I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it, I had a lot of fun with it. And I, I've heard that you know both the the Castlevania Game Boy games are really good. I I would say any Castlevania game is good. I mean, they're not all good, but you know my love for the Castlevania series. Oh yeah. Uh, but before we go into the review tonight, Derek, would you like to do our shout out? Absolutely. As always, without to shout out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout out Travis Martin, Raven, Danny House, Justin Nispel, John West, Daniel Salmon, Mr. B-Res Coffee himself, Mike Eveland, Tyler Watson, Axblade07, Armez Jackson, Carlos Longoria, a.k.a. I am the Rampage, Rampage. Staff Sergeant Sketch, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Joey Image, and Mama Diamond herself, Donna Diamond. Mama Thank- Diamond. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Oh, he froze again. <laughs> no. Oh. All right, everybody. I think we're going to have to finish this tomorrow. <laughs> but I'll go ahead and finish this out here. Um, thank you to everybody that is a patron of the show. Um, please give us money every month so we can keep this show going. And... Um, uh, if you're ha- now is the perfect time to get into our Patreon because it's the beginning of the month. We just dropped our uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles commentary uh, last week, and it's gonna be another like week and a half, two weeks before the regular public gets it. So, if you want to go over there, you get access to that. You get access to uh, whenever me and Wally do the news dumps. Whenever there's some big news that drops, I do uh, Pop Culture Palette Rewind. Every single month. And uh, so, yeah, for as little as a dollar a month, you can support the show. Please support us over there at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And um, I'm going to pause here, and we will be back in just one second. Hey, Derek, have you heard the news? What news? We officially have our very own line of coffee at brezcoffeeco.com. That's right, Nerd Cave Retro now has its very own medium roast coffee. If you want to try it yourself, or even some of the other awesome flavors like Wizard's Potion, which is a butterscotch, caramel, and hazelnut flavored roast. Or the Dragon's Breath Roast, which is a cinnamon dolce flavored roast. They have tons of different flavors, and you can also just get a regular Colombian roast and add any flavor to it that you want. 
They even keep their seasonal roasts all year round. If you need that boost to get you through those all-night gaming sessions, then head over to brezcoffeeco.com and use the promo code NCR for 10% off your order. All right, everybody, here's where part two begins. We're back on Tuesday night to finish out. And Derek, the, the internet seems to be going good now, so we'll, we'll fingers crossed. I can't tell you how bad it was to have zero internet <laughs> in the house because I couldn't even watch TV until oh, like 8.30 last night. You don't know how terrible. much you use the internet until it goes out, and then you're like, I have nothing to do. And I had to drive to to go get dinner after you know, we were done with what we were able to do of the show so I could have like any type of audiovisual entertainment. Yeah. Well, here we go, and tonight Derek is going to be talking about... For a game that looks kind of like a kid's game. Like, this almost reminds me of, like, Kirby or something, like the, the artwork. A little bit, yeah. And that that was one of my first thoughts. And I guess we could start with that, because obviously the game I'm going to be talking about is Ristar, which is a 1995 platform game developed and published by Sega for the Sega Genesis. This was the third of the three-way tie from our Patreon poll, so... Now I got to figure out what I'm going to do after this because you make guys a new have poll. made it so easy. <laughs> I got to make a new poll because you guys have made it easy for me the last like month and a half. And I was interested in this game because, as you know, in the '90s, platformers were kind of a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. You know, like obviously Mario and Sonic were the most successful of the the platforming genre. But it's really kind of a I don't want to say a lost art, but you don't see platformers nearly as often as you did back then and what's cool about Rystar is kind of the the story behind the making of the game Uh, those that are you know old school gamers which if you're not then um why are you listening to this podcast Hmm. but uh anyway uh so the early designs of sonic the hedgehog were completely different than what he became initially he was going to be a rabbit that would use his ears as a means of like grabbing, you know, objects from a distance. And it was going to be an integral part of the game. It eventually evolved into Sonic. We all know what happened there. They revisit this in Rystar because that's kind of the core concept of the gameplay. So Rystar is an anthropomorphic cartoon star who uses his hands and long stretchable arms to both move and fight enemies. So your jump ability, Rystar can't jump that high. So you have to use your arms to grab, you know, handles. You can go across chasms, fight enemies, so on and so forth. Oh, so it's kind of like Bionic Commando. A a little bit, yeah. And I I dug that concept in the sense that it wasn't like a straight-up mario or a sonic clone like you you have to do a specific objective in order to get around in the game and it plays completely different than sonic in the sense that with with sonic it's all about the speed and just trying to get through everything as fast as you can this is a much more methodical type of game so if you're not a fan of those you're probably not gonna like rystar but I, I'm always one that I like to try different platformers 
because there's a lot from this era that I didn't play. Yeah. And Rystar was one of them. Well, there was so many companies trying to make the next Mario or, you know, the next, like, the whatever the next big mascot was going to be. And there were so many. There were so many that just fell by the wayside. You know, that's not a bad top five we could do. Like, maybe yeah. not, a like, a failed mascot, but top five, like, attempts at recreating the Mario and Sonic dynamic. Yeah. Because there's, there's, there's a lot. But it, it plays like a lot of platformers in the sense that it's a 2D side-scroller. Uh, it plays, like I said, kind of like Mario. But um, it, it relies more on your your ability to use your arms well, to get to where you need to go. Imagine Sega wanted to do something that was definitely slower than Sonic. Because that was always the thing about Sonic games for me. Like, they're beautiful, but they're so hard to see. Like, everything that's in the game, because it's all about speed. And Mario mm -hmm. is, you know, very... Uh, I don't want to say tactical, but you have to, you know... It's very slow moving, you know. You gotta uh, time your jumps and stuff like that, so you can in, you can enjoy like the backgrounds, because that's always one of the things that I loved about Mario games is all this, just how pretty those games were, especially once you got to like Super Mario World. Like those backgrounds were just so awesome to look at. Well, and that was something I put in my notes too. Visually, this game is great. Mm -hmm. You, know, it, it, it has a very great. cartoonish type of you know, artwork and feel to it. But this was at the tail end of the Genesis. And I think that was a detriment to it in a way, because by then, you know, they were, Sega was focused on the Saturn and this just kind of came out during the tail end of the Genesis run. But if you look at just the, the screenshot in the, the Wikipedia article, the background looks so detailed with the mm -hmm. trees and the water and everything that's even in like the immediate background too, like the tall grass, it looks really cool. Mm -hmm. So that that was one of the first things that I noticed. And I went and looked back at the the release date and I'm like, yeah, this is when they're really like pushing the hardware limit of the Genesis. Cause this yeah. this looks arguably better than sixteen bit, yeah. in my opinion. Well, I mean, <clears throat> like you said, I mean the Genesis had been around since I think 88 at this point. So you're talking, you know, at least seven years of people, you know, them developing for this machine. So by that time they could squeeze every last ounce of power out of it. You know, they got that blast processing, son. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing too, and this kind of goes along with the visuals of the game, the animations are really cool too, specifically the facial expressions on Rystar as you're moving through the game. So like if Rystar gets hit, he looks like he's hurt. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, I mean, they did it a little bit with Sonic, but his facial expression doesn't really change all that much. But with Rystar, his facial expressions are appropriate to what you are doing. And, you know, we see those in later games, like for, you know, the PlayStation or the N64 and so on and so forth. It was kind of unheard of in the, the 2D era. So that, visually, this game is great. Like, I, if the graphics alone, I'd give it probably a 9 out of 10, easily. So do you think this game is a victim of when it came out? Like, if it had come out two or three years before this, do you think it would have had a way more of an audience? 
I think it would have had more of an audience. I think the timing hurt it on two ends. One, because it came out during the tail end of the Genesis run. And for what we said earlier, platformers were like a dime a dozen. So it was really hard to stand out. I think it may have had more of an audience, in my opinion, but I don't think it would have done as well as, you know, like an upper tier platformer but it it has the it has all the makings of a good game i just think that its gameplay could be considered kind of divisive Uh because we were so used to the mario and the sonic that not everyone is like me where they like something different with a specific genre of game so i i think multiple things hurt it but yeah the the timing of when it was released was absolutely the biggest detriment to it oh yeah uh in the chat room mushmouth was talking about uh another game that this reminded him of for the uh the sega genesis uh it's a game called rocket knight and he had triggered a memory in me um when did the did it, when did this come out rocket knight it was a dog with rocket i don't remember that but i don't think this was yeah, Rocket Knight Adventures uh, came out in 1993. I remember this. I have not thought about this since then. This might actually have to be a review for one of us. Yeah, and it's the 30-year anniversary of it. It Whoa! came out in 93. Factory Sealed goes for $1,700 on eBay what? right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Jeez. Yeah, it's a Konami game, too. Oh, dude, we have oh, to play is- this. Okay. I'm just saying, we haven't done a dual review in a while. No, we need to do that, because yeah. it looks great. It's I'll for the Genesis, this. and it's from Konami. Like, you can't go wrong with those three okay. things. <laughs> yeah, let's let's make it happen. But um, kind of going back to... I haven't really talked about the story of the game, but um, in all versions of the game, because the Japanese version is a little different because of the language translation which i found that's happened in a lot of games from that era yeah <laughs> the translation because i i went back and uh and played earthbound before tears of the kingdom came out and i paid more attention to the dialogue than i have in years past and i'm like yeah the translation didn't go through all that great <laughs> all your base are belong to belong us. to us <laughs> Uh, oh, Mushmouth says he will gladly guest star and review anything. <laughs> All right. Well, that's we'll that. that's dangerous. <laughs> we <as laughs> long as say you anything. As long as you don't bust any holes in your uh, drywall while you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Never going to let him uh, live that down. Uh, but in all versions of the game, the events take place in a far-off galaxy where an evil space pirate named Kaiser Greedy, not to be confused with Kaiser Soze <laughs> from Usual Suspects. <laughs> Kaiser <laughs> Soze. They has used mind control to make the planet's leaders obey him. But in the Japanese version, the inhabitants of planet Nier pray for a hero before Greedy's mind control minion Riho snatches the planet Elder. So, of course, Rystar shows up as the hero and his in in the game his father is a legendary hero so he's trying to follow in his footsteps and whatnot so there there's a little bit of story you know there's a an opening cut scene that kind of explains everything but like most platformers if you skip that you just kind of dive in and 
and go through the game. But I will say I like Rice Star, but I don't love it. Mm-hmm. It's one of those that I may have liked it more growing up, and I can appreciate it for what it is. But it's probably not going to be a game that I go back and play again. Well, I can see that that the game mechanics aren't great because, I mean, that's the reason why I'm not a huge fan of Bionic Commando. Like, I want to jump. Jumping just seems natural in, you know, platformers. And when you take away that mechanic and give it something like, you know, using his arms to to reach things or, you know, you have that sort of mechanic, it kind of takes the fun away and gives it a, a difficulty curve that just... it. It takes a long time for my brain to break that because I want to jump. I mean, that's what you want to do in a platformer. Yeah, I mean, that's the the backbone of a platformer is mm-hmm. you jump from platform to platform. And yeah, when you hinder or take that away, you're kind of fighting an uphill battle, in my opinion. Yeah. But I, I can appreciate this game for what it is. Like, I, I like the universe the story is okay. Like it's good, but not great. It's like uh, what you would expect from a platformer like this. Yeah. I, I like the look of Rystar, but it, it's ultimately a, a victim of its own timing. Yeah. If I would say that, well, I have a feeling that if this played a little more like Kirby, that it, it would have, we'd probably still be playing Rystar games. Cause I mean, I really like the look of the game. It looks great. Um, mm-hmm. it's just, if it would have had different game mechanics to it, like a little closer to Kirby, may, maybe a little more Mario-ish and, you know, with, with jumping and platforming and stuff, I think it probably would have done better because this is one of those games that I've always kind of heard about, but never really thought about until now. I remember hearing about it back in the nineties and I, I saw it, it was probably an electronic gaming monthly if I had to guess. But I, I just never played it because I was more of a Nintendo fan. Yeah. But I've, I've always been curious about it. And, you know, we talk about this on the show pretty regularly that these games that we go back and revisit, not all of them are going to be like your Link to the Past or your Super Mario World. Like there are going to be some games that oh, they're OK. Yeah. <laughs> or as, as Wally would say, it's fine. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, honestly, I think more games, like as far as retro games go, like the NES, the Super NES, Sega Genesis, I think more games kind of land in the they're okay pile than, you know, great games. Because, like, you think of great games, it's always kind of the same ones. You know, you think of the Marios, you think of the Sonic stuff, you think of things here and there, you know, like, like you think of Zelda, stuff like that. But when it comes to games like like Joe and Mac... Like Joe and Max a great fun game but it's it's just okay. You know, it's there's nothing yeah. truly special about it. It's going to be one of those games that if somebody brings it up you're like, "Oh, I haven't thought of that in yeah. 30 years. <laughs> that was fun." And then that you go on to something else. Especially when it comes but, to platformers because there were just so yeah. many. Yeah. And it was impossible to try them all out too because there were just so so many. But all in all, like I, I enjoyed. Uh, one last thing I do want to say before I give my my number score, uh, much like the track you played at the start of the review, like the music's kind of weird, but it fits <laughs> in a weird way. Yeah, like yeah, 
I'm sure you know what I mean. Yeah, I was I was looking through the the soundtrack to to capture some music, and it's like it doesn't really fit the visual. Like, because I, I haven't seen any gameplay of it. I've just seen still pictures and stuff, but I haven't looked up any gameplay yet. But just from what I know of the game so far, like the music would just did not fit my what I thought this game was gonna be. It's one of those things that it shouldn't fit but it does in a weird way it's very odd like i i'm not sure how to describe it like it's not bad yeah. it's like the game as a whole like it's not bad it's just okay yeah but from visuals alone i i would give it a nine out of ten like it's one of the best looking genesis games i've ever played but as much as i can appreciate sega trying something different this isn't going to be a game that I go back and play, mm-hmm. you know, I, I might play it years from now, but I, I don't plan on playing it again anytime soon. So uh, I don't want to give it a low score because I didn't think it was bad, but I would give it maybe like a six. Yeah, that's like, where these it's, games it's, usually fall. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's fine. And Mushmouth said uh, all the Sega games had that extra pump in the soundtrack. And yeah, I didn't notice it at the time back then, but now that I'm older, I can instantly like just listen to a game soundtrack from that time and instantly know whether it was the Genesis or the Super Nintendo. Like they both have a very distinct sound chip mm-hmm. in them. And Sega Genesis definitely had more of a like a metal rock and roll guitar kind of uh, you know, music chip in it while the Super Nintendo had more of a I want to call it bouncy. Like, it's very smooth and bouncy, while the Sega Genesis is very kind of rock and roll, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to think of two bands to compare it to, but none's coming to mind. Yeah. But I know what you mean. <laughs> like, the the Super Nintendo soundtracks, most of them were a lot more, you know, upbeat. Like, you could find yourself just kind of... Bobbing your head a little bit to it, whereas Sega is just, like you said, it sounds a little more mature. Yeah. Well, they had did but, have that blast processing. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did. I, I just, I love the, the 16-bit era of soundtracks. A lot of them are just so, so good. Uh-huh. And the sound holds up, too. Oh, yeah. I, I still go back and listen to 16-bit soundtracks whenever I can. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the Super Mario World soundtrack. There's just something about that music instantly just puts me in, in like, a, a a time and place when I hear that music, and it instantly just kind of just calms me. And I, I can't explain it. It's almost like ASMR. No, I, I don't disagree with that. You should look up the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate soundtrack because they have orchestrated versions. Oh, yeah. Of like eight bit and sixteen bit songs, and that soundtrack is excellent. Mushmouth said it perfect. The SNES is like Van Halen, and Genesis is more Anthrax. <laughs> that's perfect. Yep, that's that's a great comparison. <laughs> go look go go look up those ga- those bands, kids, and uh, you'll you'll find some good music for the night. One of my favorite concerts I ever went to was Van Halen in 2015 at the amphitheater in Birmingham. I wish I would have gone and. And it was it was with Diamond Dave. Oh, I know. And it was I, and it was great. I didn't get to see them the second time around. The only time I've ever seen Van Halen was in 1991, and uh, Allison Chains was opening up for them, and they had Sammy oh, that's was a, with them. Oh, I would have loved that. 
It was, if I was crazy. Like, if I was a little bit older when that came out, oh, that would have been so good. Dude, Alice in Chains was so loud. They were louder than Van Halen. That's hard to believe. And they were so freaking loud. Like, and I, I fell in love with them from that point on. When I went to, to see Van Halen, I was towards the back of the amphitheater, and it was still really loud. And I'm like half deaf. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just remember... Uh, you know, seeing Eddie Van Halen go into his solo and watching like grown men cry yeah. over it. Oh, I would have bawled to see Eddie do his his, uh, his solo one more time before he passed away. Yeah, and uh, a couple of my friends that I went with, uh, they said that if you were to give bands Madden ratings, Eddie Van Halen would be a ninety nine. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But uh, Mushmouth says he could have seen Metallica, but he walked out because they replaced Green Day at Voodoo Fest. <laughs> hey, I played that Voodoo Fest. I think, well, I played Voodoo Fest in 2004, or was it two, four? Yeah, two, Voodoo really? Fest 2004, and Green Day was there that year. Oh, wow, that's cool. Well, it must have not been that year because he said Metallica replaced Green Day, so I don't remember what year that was. Might have been the year after. Maybe so. Because I was there the year the Beastie Boys was there, too. Did you fight for your right to party? Hell yeah, I did. We got to share a, uh, <laughs> I got to share a tent with uh, De La Soul, so I got to hang, a- oh, hang out with those awesome. guys all day. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> hung out with De La Soul, and, and we hung out in, the, uh, in the, the cafeteria tent all day and just hung out and talked. See, we should do a Patreon bonus show where like you tell your, your band stories and then I could tell some sports <laughs> stories. I, well, I'm down for that. Yeah. Dude, I have so many road stories. That, that's the best part about, like, back when I was doing more of a variety show with the Derek Diamond experience, hearing, like, bands and comedians and all tell, like, their traveling stories, like, those are the best. Because those could, are when the best stories happen. I could tell about the time I met the singer for Trapped and he was rude to me, so I stole everything out of his dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah i'll tell that story one of these days so if you want to hear I, I can't wait if you want to hear uh road stories from from the road dog <laughs> go go subscribe to our patreon if we hit let me put us a link if we hit 75 dollars, which we're close there for the month i think we're at about 70 bucks a month. No. Yeah, well, let give it get us to $75 a month and we'll do uh, an extra episode every month where me and Derek tell some some stories. Okay. Might <laughs> yeah, have I'm to getting, keep it behind a paywall. I'm getting yelled at in the chat room. For... <laughs> 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 yeah, well, oh, that's you, great. You got to have me back on the WFU podcast there if you want me to talk about uh De La Soul there mushmouth. I'm going to listen to some De La Soul after this Hell show's yeah. over. <laughs> but, uh, but that's going to bring us to the end of the episode. And next week, I'm going to be uh, talking about True Lies for this. Actually, I think, well, they're both basically the same game, but I've been uh, streaming the uh, Sega Genesis version just because actually I like the sound better on the Genesis version. I like the graphics better on the Super Nintendo version, but I like the sound better on the G- Genesis version. But they're basically the same game. So. I'll be talking about True Lies next week in honor of wait. FUBAR. And if you guys haven't been watching FUBAR 
What are you doing with your lives? Go watch it right now. I still need to start. But uh, but that's going to bring us to the end of the episode. And uh, Derek, there's no Derek Diamond experience, but you do have some episodes coming out. Tell everybody about it. Yes. Yeah, so from now until probably the end of August, I'm going to be re-releasing episodes of Feature Presentation. Uh, those will come out every Monday exclusively on the audio feed. So you can head over to linktree.com slash Podcast. You can subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, really anywhere you can get your podcasts. You can find the Derek Diamond Experience. And for this week, I re-released the Smallville Roundtable that Jason, Mike Evelyn, and I recorded back in, I think it was early 2022 mm-hmm. when we recorded that. But it was it was a lot of fun going back and revisiting that because it's one of my favorite shows of all time. It was fun to listen to because I had no memory of anything I said on that episode. So it was like listening to a new episode. Yeah, and that's the cool thing about re-releasing them is that a lot of people that either heard it and forgot about it or didn't listen at all yeah. will get to, to re-experience it. And next week, I'm going to be re-releasing two um, interviews that I did with some cast members of Cobra Kai. Awesome. Hell yeah. So there'll be some good stuff coming out over the next couple of months. And uh, go check out the Open Micers podcast at Open Micers on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we talked with the uh, with Mushmouth himself, who's who's in the chat room right now. Talked to him and Simon of the WFU podcast in the last couple of weeks. Um, who was our guest last week? I don't even remember. Uh, let me look it up real quick because we've had some crazy guests on in the last couple of weeks. We've had uh, oh, last week was Abby Washuda, the comedian. Abby Washuda was on. She was funny. Uh, the WFU podcast was on. They were funny. Um, and coming up the, uh, tomorrow, we have uh, Shep Kelly and Mo Alexander on the show we did last night. And they're hilarious. They're going to be at the Juke Joint in OS on Friday. Uh, Mo is building up his new hour for his uh, next hour special that he's going to be shooting. So he's doing a show in uh, Juke Joint. And Jacob is going to be opening that show. Um, he's going to be emceeing it. So if you guys are in the Ocean Springs area, go check it out this Friday night. Um, what is the date on that? June, today's the 6th, uh, 7th, 8th, 9th. It'll be June 9th, Friday night at 9 p.m., the Juke Joint in Ocean Springs. Go get your comedy on with uh, Mo Alexander, Shep Kelly, and Jacob Craig. So I think that's going to do it for this week. Derek, is there anything else before we get out of here? Uh, no, I think that's it. All right. Well, let me appreciate everybody coming back and uh, listening to part two of this episode. Sorry again about the <laughs> the internet issues, but hopefully that's behind us. Oh, it's all right. It happens. At least we still had the audio. It, it wasn't like the, the poor WFU podcast for open micers. There was a little behind the scenes stuff here. OBS had a weird down uh, update a couple of weeks ago, and it was the night that they were on the show. So we're recording the episode, and we got about 15 or 20 minutes into the episode before I realized there's no audio being recorded. So we had to completely start the episode over again, and I had to update OBS, and it was awful. Like, I hated every second. I felt like I I just wanted to crawl in a corner and cry. And that happened to me, too, with uh, the Derek Diamond experience. When I was interviewing the actress from the Winnie the Pooh horror movie, mm-hmm. we got about 10 minutes into the interview, and I saw that um, OBS wasn't reading my audio levels. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. 
But thankfully, I was recording through Zoom as a backup. I always yeah. do that just in case, so I wound up just using that audio. So you hear that, kids? If you're going to have a podcast, always make sure your stupid software is updated before you do anything, or you're going to lose your audio, and you're going to hate yourself and go down a shame spiral <laughs> if you don't. We, we've had that happen on this show, too. Yep, we have. Yeah, there. I can't remember what episode it was, but like we, we wrapped it, and like you thought there was going to yeah. be some kind of problem, and then about a minute later... <laughs> I look at my phone and Jason's calling me and I'm, I just start walking back to my computer because I'm like, I know what this is about. Uh, I remember that we recorded an entire show that didn't get recorded. Like I went yep, back. So we to, had to redo it. I went back to edit it and I put the, uh, the MP3 into the editing software and there was nothing on it. It just an hour of silence. And I was just like, Oh no. <laughs> Probably the best I've ever sounded. Oh, no, I don't agree with that. <laughs> All right, everybody, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Let me play our music here. If you want to email us, email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. Nerdcaveretro.com is our link tree that includes our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, and our merch shop, which is at ncrmerch.com. And when I just uploaded a new uh, design last week, Darth Gump. Go check it out. Go get you a t-shirt or a sticker, magnet, bag, whatever you need. You can put it on a mug. As soon as you see it, you're going to want it. So ncrmerch.com. Head over there right now. Follow us on social media at NerdCaveRetro, at JFunktastic, and at Derek underscore Diamond. And, of course, leave us a review and or a five-star rating on all podcasting platforms. Derek, please tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Yes. This podcast is a Zoo House LLC production. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns.